0: Amen. Glad you came back. Didn't run everybody off, Amen. Now we been studying the sevens. Hello. Oh, looks like it's dead. Hey, that's cuz ain't no batteries in there. Batteries. No bats in the trees. They're on the belfry. Now when this uh this place had the bell there, there's a hole that went up in there and uh that big old rope come through there. A Bat has been known to come on down through there once in a while. Oh, did we? Okay, there you go. Tonight's message is going to be on bats. Amen. <laughs> Halloween, no, just kidding. Amen. Now, in our study of the sevens, these are to help solidify the saint of God and his walk with the Lord and his appreciation for the Word of God. So far, we've gone through the seven symbols of the Word of God, the seven mysteries, the seven baptisms, the seven resurrections, and I believe the seven judgments. And it's all irrefutable evidence about sevens. Uh, Sevens, God's number. And uh, it's always been my desire as a preacher to make sure that God's people had, had something in the lunch pail for the week. Really, it was. Um... I've probably been guilty of stressing out over crazy things and probably taking years off my life worrying about the ministry, uh, but one thing I've always tried to do is make sure that you all had much more than you could probably process, and that's a fault, I guess, but I don't, I, don't, I want you to be able to get up the judgment seat of Christ, and uh, I, I want you to be able to go, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about, I do. And I think it's important. I don't give these to give you a big head either. And I understand that we're in the last days. I understand we're in the Laodicean church period. That's squallin' I love it. Don't, don't bother me a bit. Y'all can have 20 more. <laughs> and... Uh, Side rabbit running here. I'm 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 glad I came up preaching on the streets because none of that stuff bugs me at all, man. I think it's great. Some some preachers get indignant. I just think it's cool that she's in the service. Amen. But uh, tonight we uh, embark by the very fear of our lives on the seven sevens. And you say, why do you say that? Because I'm not sure I got it all. I've taught it uh, seven times at least, but I'm not sure I've. I don't know if I can grasp it all, man. It's, uh, I get to this stuff, and man, it's, uh, it's like one fellow, one slick lawyer said, uh, uh, Your Honor, we're going uh, to begin at the flood. Uh, and the judge said, well, we got a full docket today. Could you skip to the rapture? <laughs> but we're going to start back at the beginning, and we're going to go all the way through, and we're going to bring you out at the second advent of Jesus Christ. And uh, so seven's God's number. I'll get you a passage. You, you'll be turning so much your fingers will fall off tonight. But uh, God counts by sevens, and seven seems to put everything together. You take colors, uh, the color spectrum. They say there's I don't know how many millions of colors, but honestly, there's only seven. You've got red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, ago, and violet. There's seven colors. And any color that ever came uh, on the palette or on the spectrum comes from those seven colors. What's that fellow they call his name? Roy G. Biv, right? That's what you learn in school. Red, orange, yellow, uh, green, blue, indigo, and violet. And anything that Donatello, Da Vinci, uh, Homer, Monet, Picasso, Renoir, Rousseau, you know, ever painted came from seven colors. That's it. Or Bob Ross. Seven colors. Happy trees. Uh, Every color you find at any paint shop is a derivation of seven colors. That's it. Isn't that interesting? That's very interesting. Uh, You take music and the piano right there, there's seven notes on the piano. When you get to the eighth note, what do you have? Octave. By the way, if you ever want to know how a uh, a Jew counts in months, uh, if you get hung up, go to September, October, November, December. Because the root of uh, September is seven, October is eight, November is nine, and December is ten. But the Gentile goes January, February. You see that? But uh, that Jew counts uh, October is the eighth month. But that eighth note on the on the piano there—that's an octave, or a what? A recreation, right? So there's nothing that Bach or Schubert or Vivaldi or Handel or Corelli, right, uh, or Sarasate wrote that ever had anything more than those seven notes. And, of course, you got the flats and the sharps. I understand all that. But that's still a derivation of the seven notes. Uh, those black keys are half notes. How's that for musical equality? <laughs> They're called half notes. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> But anyway, in the Bible, uh, the interesting thing about the Bible, the last book of the Bible, there's seven churches. Last book of the Bible, you got seven vials, you got seven seals, seven angels, seven candlesticks, and seven books. I guess we could suffice it to say that God counts by sevens. And so, once again, we take our life in our own hands and we study the seven sevens. Uh, let's look at the first one. You Take your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 2. And I'm not in a hurry on this one, and you might be, and if you're in a hurry, we might be a while. But here's the first one, number one. In the seven sevens, uh, you go six days and you rest on the seventh. You go six days and you rest on the seventh. All right, look at uh, verse 1, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 1. Uh, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work which we had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Just in case you forgot the first two times he told you. So God rested from all his work on the seventh day. And this is what you and I would know as what? The Sabbath, right? Let me ask you a question. Where's the word Sabbath? It's not there in Genesis, is it? Nowhere to be found. Isn't that interesting? I mean, the best you have here is a Sabbath of rest. That's the best. You ever wonder why Adam never observed a Sabbath? I mean, you ever just really stop and think about it? You ever wonder why Adam was never told to observe a Sabbath? How about, uh, how about Abraham? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's like the Trinity in the Bible of Old Testament patriarchs, right? They were never, ever told to observe a Sabbath. Joseph was never told to observe a Sabbath. Don't you find that strange? Never once. You can't find it. You can't find it no matter how hard you look. You ever stop and think uh, how ridiculous it is to be a Seventh-day Adventist? (laughs) I mean, you ever just really stop and think about it? You ever wonder why 2,500 years from Adam to Moses? Moses is the first one ever told to observe a Sabbath. There's 2,500 years of recorded history. People don't think about that stuff. Now, the scriptures are real clear. I'm going to take your Bible, go to Nehemiah chapter 9. You say, uh, you ever have a conversation with Seventh-day Adventists? Plenty of them. This is one of the first things I ask them. I said, tell me why Adam didn't have to observe the Sabbath day. And they say, well, the Lord rested. I said, I'm not disputing that the Lord did not rest on the Sabbath day. Why didn't Adam have to observe it? Why didn't didn't, uh, any of Adam's children have to observe it? Why didn't Abraham, Isaac, Jacob joseph why did they not have to observe it they're never told once all right now nehemiah chapter 9 look at verse 13 thou camest down also upon mount sinai you know where we're at right there's a history lesson and spake us with them from heaven and gave us them right judgments and true laws and good statutes and commandments and made us known unto them thy holy sabbath you see it that's where it shows up And commandest them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of who? Moses, thy servant. You say, what's that? That's Exodus chapter 20. That's the giving of the law. You know exactly where we're at. Moses was given the Sabbath to remember in Exodus 20 and verse 8. 20 verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But it wasn't given to anyone before that at all. And uh, I just think that's kind of strange, don't you? That it just shows up like that. And that's the first time you ever hear anyone talking about a Sabbath, and yet you got a bunch of Seventh Day Adventists running around, and they're saying you got to keep the Sabbath. You got to keep the Sabbath. You got to go to church on Saturday, and if you go to church on Sunday, it's the mark of the beast. (laughs) And uh, to which the old preacher said, "All the clowns aren't in the circus." But not only that, even in this county, you got a bunch of messed up Christians. They're running around trying to trying to pretend that they're Old Testament Jews. And if you're trying to keep the Sabbath day, you're trying to pretend that you're an Old Testament Jew. And if you're going to be an Old Testament Jew, you can't even build a fire on the Sabbath. And you can't even travel more than a Sabbath day's journey. And you've got to wear certain clothes on the Sabbath. <laughs> We're not talking shirt and tie either. <laughs> and uh, go to Ezekiel chapter 20. I'll show it to you here. Now you've got twenty five hundred years of recorded biblical history. Now I didn't come up with this; the Bible dictated it. Ezekiel chapter twenty, look at verse twelve. You've got twenty five hundred years of biblical history where no man was ever commanded once to keep a Sabbath day, and you need to know that. I'm not chewing you out. I'm just this is just teaching, and you need to understand that. So the next time a Seventh Day Adventist, uh, SDA, or whatever they call USDA, however that thing is, and you know, and uh, they talk about keeping the Sabbath. The first thing I'd ask them is, how about Adam? How about Abraham? How about Isaac? You know what they'll say? They won't say nothing because they don't know. Exodus or Ezekiel 20, verse 12. Uh, moreover, also I gave them. Who's them? It's the house of Jacob back in verse 5. Moreover, also I gave them my Sabbaths to be a sign between me and who? The whole world? The church? Nope. House of Jacob, that they, the house of Jacob, verse five, might know that I am the Lord that sanctify them. Thirteen. But the house of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. They walked not in my statutes. They despised my judgments, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. That's Old Testament salvation, by the way. And my Sabbaths, they, who's they, house of Jacob, verse five, greatly polluted. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness. To consume them, verse 16, because they, who's they? House of Israel, verse house of Jacob, verse 5, despised my judgments, walked not in my statues, but polluted my Sabbaths, for their heart went after their idols. Verse 20, and hollow my Sabbaths, and they shall be a sign between me and you. That's the house of Jacob. That's Israel. Remember this morning? The Jews require a what? a sign and there it is you know what that sabbath was it was a sign between jehovah god and the house of israel that's what it was that ye may know that i'm the lord your god so we got to ask the question we've already asked it is that you no no it's not it's israel right then what in the world is someone in this country doing telling you to keep the sabbath all right romans chapter 13 let's get in the new testament Romans chapter 13, and and, uh, the Seventh-day Adventists, they spend all their time uh, what they consider studying prophecy, and they're doing it from the wrong Bible, so they're not even getting half the truth, and they're running around telling people to observe the Sabbath, and what they're really doing is they're telling you to run around and be an Old Testament Jew. Well, that's not you. Romans chapter 13, look at verse 8. Now look at verse 9. He says, for this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. What's he doing? He's quoting the commandments, isn't he? And then he says this, and if there be any other, what? Commandment. It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You see that saying there in verse 9, and if there be any other commandment? Isn't remember the Sabbath day a commandment? Sure was. But Paul didn't put it on the church. He didn't put it on you and I. He purposefully left it out. Now, I know you know this, and I know there's nobody in here going, Oh, I think I really need to be going to church on a Saturday. <laughs> but you're going to run into him. Boy ran, runs into him at the, the Golden Arches there, telling him that he's got the mark of the beast or got some evil spirit because he goes to church. Oh, we, okay, whatever. Help yourself, you know. Would you like extra pickle or extra shoelaces on your Big Mac? <laughs> But uh, he says, if there be any other commandment. And uh, where's the keeping of the Sabbath then? It's not to you. It's not to me. It's nowhere to be found in the body of Christ. We're not commanded to keep the Sabbath. So here's the thing. You don't see it before Moses. And you don't see it after Paul. In the King James Bible, you never see it before Moses, and you never see it after Paul. That's what you need to understand about that thing. All right? We don't meet on the Sabbath. We meet on the first day of the week. Matter of fact, we even, uh, we even meet on the, what is Wednesday, third? Fourth. We meet on the fourth day of the week. You can meet whatever day you want. Don't matter. You, you can meet on a Saturday, right? Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind, but you don't have to keep a Sabbath. You say, why do we meet on the first day of the week? All right, Genesis, uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28. You go six days, you rest on the seventh. Why do we meet on the first day of the week? Well, it's real simple. Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. Amen? Matthew 28, 1. You ever just stop and wonder why you do what you do? You ever stop and wonder why you're a Bible-believing Baptist? (laughs) Amen. See, one day you have to figure out why you are what you think you are. Matthew 28, 1. The Bible says, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher, so forth and so on. And he comes up. You see that? All right, another reason, John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We meet on the first day of the week because Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day of the week. And then in John chapter 20 and Acts chapter 20, I look at John chapter 20, verse 19. Now, the only way you're going to learn this is comparing Scripture with Scripture. And uh, you say, well, I'm preacher. Sure it's a lot of references to turn to. It sure is, and it takes work, doesn't it? It's tedious, Uh, One uh, hymn writer said, How tedious and tasteless. That's turning the pages of the Bible is what that is. 20 verse 19, Then the same day at evening began the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews came Jesus and stood in the midst. So they're gathered together. And you know what's going on in there? He's preaching to them. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Acts chapter 20, verse 7. Why do we meet on the first day of the week? Well, is it because of Charlemagne and Constantine and the sun god? No, not it at all. I know what history says about that stuff. I know a time the Baal worshippers, or the Phoenician Baal worshippers, up there in Mount Carmel in First Kings chapter 18, I know a time they were cutting themselves between 10 a.m. and noon on Sunday. I understand it. Why? Sun god, they're worshiping the sun god. You see what I mean? You're in a wicked world. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 7, why do we meet on the first day of the week, preacher? Well, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead the first day of the week, and because they were gathered together, and hearing the Lord preach first day of the week in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 7, Uh, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, what? He preached unto them, So there's dinner on the grounds, too. You say, well, not very spiritual. All right, we'll do ours this Saturday. How's that? <laughs> Amen. And so there's preaching going on. There's breaking of bread going on. And you don't have to turn there. I'd write this down in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. The first day of the week, you know what's going on? They're taking up a collection for the poor saints. They're passing the plate. Or they're putting the money in the box. That's why we meet on the first day of the week, because It's scriptural. We meet on the first day of the week because we're Christians. Seventh-day Adventists meet on the Sabbath day because they're trying to be an Old Testament Jew. Amen. <laughs> and not only that, but in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, that's on the first day of the week. What comes down? Holy Spirit comes down first day of the week. I mean, good night. If we are in court, we'd only need about three facts. We've got about six right there. I'd say that's enough. We can move on. You say, what are you mad? No, I just i want you to know. From the Bible, I want you to understand. I want you to be so familiar. When I say the reference, you already know where it's at. You already know what I'm talking about. All right. So in the New Testament, you have the Lord raising from the dead. Disciples assembling together for preaching, breaking bed and breaking bread, breaking beds. Okay. Maybe they need to stop eating. Anyways, fellowship and offering being taken for poor saints, and all going on the first day of the week. Amen. We're not told to observe the Sabbath. That's for the house of Israel, so forth and so on. So here's the key. You've got to remember, the first 25 years of recorded history, there's no Sabbath being kept. You got that? Clear as mud. Not only that, that's the big one right there. Uh, the second big one is there's no Sabbath before Moses or after Paul. And the third one, you just we just went through six reasons why you and I meet on the first day of the week. Now, that's pretty simple, isn't it? That's scripture with scripture. That's the Bible. That's not hard to understand, but you go six days and you rest on the seventh. All right, let's go number two. You go six weeks and then you rest on the seventh week. Six weeks. That's number two. We're talking about the seven sevens in the Bible. Seven sevens. Now, the Lord gave this to the old preacher. He's been dead for about, oh, eight years now, seven years. The seven, seven. It's hard to believe he's been gone that long. And I tremble when I try to prepare this stuff because as many times as I've attempted to preach it, I know I don't have it all down. That man had an amazing ministry. You go six weeks and you rest on the seventh. to uh, Leviticus chapter 25. You say, why well, you got to rest on the seventh week? Well, something big is going to happen. Something big is going to happen at the end of the seventh week. And at the end of the seventh week, you're going to celebrate Pentecost. Right? If you got six weeks at the end of the seventh, that's 49 days, right? Pentecost is on the 50th day. Right? Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit came down. Forty days, that's when the Lord went up. You see that? So, uh, something's going to happen at the end of the seventh week right here. And that's Pentecost. Leviticus chapter 25. I'm sorry, 23. I'm not close. This is a quick one here. 23, 15, and 16. The Bible says in Leviticus 23, 15, and 16, And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Uh, even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. So fifty days after the Passover, that's how you measure that thing, you have Pentecost. I'll say it again, fifty days after the Passover, Right? Fifty days after the Passover, you have Pentecost. The thing I didn't mention to you this morning in Joshua chapter 4 is they had them gathering those stones up on the 10th day of the first month. Pentecost is the 14th day. And that thing lines right up with them leaving Egypt. Um, But look at Acts chapter 2. I'll show you this. Acts chapter 2. Fifty days after the Passover, you have Pentecost. And he says there in verse 16, as you're going over to Acts 2, Even in the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number fifty days. Fifty days you shall offer new meat offering unto the Lord. So you go six weeks and you rest after the seventh. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. You know, not to get uh, too far into it, but every Christian that's messed up in their theology, they get stuck in Acts chapter 2. They get stuck there and they don't know how to go anywhere else. They just spin their wheels. Acts chapter 2, look at verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. There it is. That's 50 days after the Passover. And the Passover was 50 days prior. The Passover would have been what? That would have been crucifixion, right? That's when the Passover lamb was, was killed. I'll look at Acts chapter 1, verse 3. All right. <clears throat> he says, uh, to whom also he showed himself alive, talking about Jesus Christ after his passion, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days, 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, so forth and so on. Uh, so he goes up at 40 days, and then Pentecost is uh, 10 days later. They're at the 50th day there. But that's that's simply put, you go six weeks. That's how God numbers that thing, and you rest on the seventh. Let me give you the third one here. He said, I want some more on that. You study that second one out. We won't get too deep into that. Number three is you'll, you'll never guess what's next. What's next? There you go. Go, go uh, six, not seven. Resta. Now, this is where I deviate and just mess everything up. You'll understand in a minute. Go seven months and then hold three major feasts. And one of those feasts will date the uh birth of Christ and the second advent. Now you can go to Leviticus twenty three. Look at verse 23, 23, 23, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, speaking to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. All right, seventh month, what's that going to be for the Jew? It's going to be September, isn't it? And the Lord spake unto Moses, verse 26, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls, and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it's a day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul it be that shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people." And whatsoever soul it be that doeth any work in that same day, the same soul will I destroy from among his people. 31, ye shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. It shall be unto you a Sabbath of rest, and ye shall afflict your your souls in the ninth day of the month at even. From even unto even shall ye celebrate your Sabbath. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, verse 34, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of this seventh month shall be the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. So let's write these three things out on the board. Right there in that passage, the seventh month, the first day, right? So how we would write a date out, right, Would be, we'd do this, right? Right, 7-1. Now you're thinking July, but it's really September. But that first day, you've got the Feast of Trumpets. And you pick that thing up in verse 24 of where we just read. And then the 10th day of that month is going to be the Day of Atonement. And then you pick that up in verse 27. And then finally, you've got the, the 15th day of that month. You've got the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's in verse 34. You know what that's referred to as? That's Yom Kippur. Guess what tomorrow is? <laughs> Yom Kippur. I didn't plan it like that. Tomorrow's Yom Kippur. For that That's the Jewish New Year. That's tomorrow. That's when they celebrate it, all right? So uh, thus putting the the date of the second advent, you ready for this? This puts the date of the second advent, that'd be uh, 23, about the 23rd. 23rd. You say, why 23rd? Well, it matches the Feast of Tabernacles, where both dates for both Advents are in autumn. And like I said, in the Jewish calendar, the seventh month of September. Now, here's the, here's the wonky part, the, if you call it wonky or wobbly part. When the earth goes around the sun, there's four days that it's off-center. You ever heard that? You ever have a solar system chart? There's four days. And that's uh, the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd, and the 23rd. You knew that, though. You paid attention in science class. You say, well, why is that? Well, don't you remember that... What's that called? Yeah. There's four days it's off center. And it's going to be September 20th, 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Go back to Genesis 1 in your head for a second. First day of creation, second day of creation, third day of creation. When did the sun come? Sun didn't show up till the fourth day. That's why they're so off-center. I don't I don't understand it all. I just believe it. Amen. Four days off-center. That puts that thing. That's the, To me, it's when the sun shows up. You say, why? Well, real quick, look at Malachi 4.2. That's, brother, this is why I asked the boys if they brought anything to, to bring because I thought it might be in the rafters for me. You know? But you know what? I, I mean, the, if you can get a hold of some of this stuff, man, I, you're not going to get it all. I don't have it all, but if you can get a hold of some of this, man, this will put some wind in your sails. It will. Now look at this thing in Malachi chapter 4. Just about the time I think I'm starting to draw some concepts in the Bible together and really start getting a hold of it, like I went back there and I was starting to walk up here and all of a sudden I just short-circuited. I really did. I went, and I'm like, okay, that don't make sense at all. And I thought it did, but I'm going to talk about this. I'm not telling you where. I'll let you try to figure out where. But anyways, Malachi four two. Look at that verse. <clears throat> He says, but unto you that fear my name shall the what? Capital S-U-N of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. All right, so the Lord Jesus Christ, he is likened unto what? The Son. All right, so he's going to come back when? Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, right now. (laughs) He's likely to come back at the Feast of Tabernacles. And that's because uh, of that date right there, putting it four days out. Yeah, and when you get that thing with the Jewish date, you're talking evening and morning, which vacillates into another day too. It's confusing. It's confusing as a Gentile to explain. It's kind of like trying to explain him coming up because th- when you get into Genesis chapter 1, that Jew goes evening and morning, and we go morning and evening. The evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. You see that? And a Gentile is backwards. That Jew is 12. That Gentile runs by 10. All right. So, I'll go to Genesis. Well, you already know that. Genesis chapter 1, uh, Bible says in verse 3, let there be light, right? But it's not talking about the sun. You knew that, right? He said, let there be light. That's what you do when you're goofing around with your wife or your kids and let there be light. And you flip the light switch on, Right? That wasn't the sun, though. The sun didn't show up till the fourth day. You see that? Look at Daniel chapter two, verse twenty-two. I'll show you just a couple verses on this thing. You say, Well, what's the light? Okay. Well, it's not the sun. Daniel chapter two, verse twenty two. Daniel chapter 2, verse 22, the Bible says, He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. So if that light in verse 3 is the sun, was he sitting on a golden ball up there? No, of course not. The light dwelleth with him. All right, who's the light? Well, Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. Let's look at another one, Psalm 74. I'm telling you, I don't understand it all, but I believe it. And that light in verse 3 is not the sun. The sun shows up in uh, day 4. Psalm 74, look at verse 16. 74, 16. The Bible says, The day is thine, the night also is thine. Thou hast prepared the light and the sun. Well, if, if that isn't a definitive distinction, I don't know what is. You just clearly see the light and the sun are two different things. So he said, let there be light. Notice he didn't create it. He said, let there be light. He directed it. Let get there. <laughs> and the sun shows up on the fourth day. All right, look at Jeremiah 31. Now, in case you're wondering what he really created on the fourth day, Jeremiah clears it up if any scientists ever had a brain in their body, they'd look to Jeremiah for the answer. Amen? Jeremiah 31. But all this creation, scientists, gas, and answers in Genesis, and answers in the Ark, and answers you know, whatever. Whatever. How about answers in the Bible? Jeremiah 31. You say, you're awful negative. Amen. And you should be too. You're too positive. You're some of you are so positive, you make me sick. <laughs> Jeremiah 31, 35, the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and the ordinance of the moon, and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea when the waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts, hosts is his name. All right, so that has to do with the sun. Of course, the moon's effect on the world, so forth and so on. But you get the picture. The light and the sun are different. And so we put the date of the second advent there at uh, September 22nd, 23rd there uh, with that four-day variation from the Feast of Tabernacles there. Due to your son showing up on the fourth day, you say that's pretty deep. Sure is. Explain it. I shall go no further. (laughs) Amen. Now let me give you number four. You go six years, and then you make the seventh year a sabbatical year where the land rests. Now, look, we're not telling you to go back to uh, Old Testament stuff. We're just showing you how God counts. We're showing you God's affinity with the number seven. Now, here you go, seven years. Six years, and then you uh, let the, the, the land rest on the seventh. I got some neighbors there. They used to have a garden, and, and they were insistent that they let the la- the land rest on the seventh. And that's fine, you know. help yourself. They're not they're not farmers, you know what I mean? If you're a farmer and you let all your land rest on the seventh, you'll go bankrupt. You ain't gonna make it. I don't care how spiritual you are. You might as well just sell everything you got. You better keep putting the stuff in the ground and weeding it and spraying it and harvesting it. And we're not telling you to go back to uh, uh, Old Testament. So, but look at Leviticus 25.1. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in Mount Sinai, saying 2, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When you come into the land which I give you, then you shall, you, shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, and six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land. Unto the land. You see that? Where's that? That's Israel. That's not over here. A Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. That which groweth of its own accord the harvest thou shalt not reap. Neither gather the grapes of of thy vine undressed. For it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, for thy servant, for thy maid, and for thy hired servant, for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee. I look at Exodus chapter 21 real quick. Just a couple of verses in there. Exodus chapter 21. A good understanding of the Old Testament will help you understand why this country runs the way it does even to this day. Now 21 1, the Bible says, Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. There's another one of them expressions, southern expressions. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him, so forth and so on. So you see that thing, seven keeps popping up, doesn't it? Seven. That's why when you go down to not you, not and if you do help yourself, I don't care. Uh, just if you win, don't forget the tie. You go down to Turtle Creek or Bear Creek or whatever creek, Frog Creek or Bear Creek or the casino joint, whatever that is. Uh, hell hole down there, you know what I mean? And you, they, everyone wants to get 777, don't they? Why? Because that's God's number. You ever wonder why when you don't hit 666, it wins, <laughs> right? I'm like, if it's 666, they take you out back and shoot you or something? <laughs> But that thing seven keeps popping up. So here you got you go six years, and then you let the land rest on the seventh, right? But here, you work for six years as a slave, and then you're free on the seventh. Ain't that cool? If you file bankruptcy, are you not in the clear after seven years? I wonder where they got that. I'll give you two guesses, and the first one don't count. Amen. <laughs> <Hey>, <laughs> I mean, after uh, if you file bankruptcy, aren't you a slave to bad credit for at least seven years? I I know everyone's credit's so terrible now. You can redeem yourself about two and a half now, but right? <laughs> and that's how God works. He works in sevens. And in bankruptcy, uh, just humor me for a minute. Aren't there for the most part? And there are two special cases. There's a chapter s- s- seven. And the chapter thirteen. And correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't chapter seven treat you a lot better than if you file chapter thirteen? Man, oh, the unsearchable riches of the King James Bible. Exactly. You recover a lot easier from a chapter seven. A seven. Uh, I think they got an eleven too. Don't, I have no idea. Uh, one's a seven. One's a restructure, and one's a you done. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's thirteen. Thirteen is uh, you're a big loser. Now, uh, that's what it is. And so you go uh, six years and you let the land rest on the seventh. Is this, is this heavy enough for you tonight? <laughs> we don't, you want to get one more? We'll go one more. I might have to go back and correct all my errors next week, but hey, it's worth a shot, amen? Uh, let's get number five. You go seven times, seven years. And then you have a mid-century Pentecost on the 50th year. You proclaim a jubilee and you turn the land loose. You go seven times seven years. That's number five. Seven times seven years. And we'll abbreviate it. And you turn the land loose. That's called the Jubilee. By the which that thing was uh, set up to be done in the land, and Israel never, ever once celebrated one single Jubilee. Isn't that sad, man? Well, Leviticus 25. You pick this up in Leviticus chapter 25, beginning at verse 8. The Bible says, and thou shalt number seven Sabbaths of years unto thee seven times seven years. How many years is that? Okay, 49 years. And the space of seven Sabbaths of years shall be unto thee 49 years. I think Moses put that in there for those who couldn't do multiplication. Amen. Verse 9, he says, then shalt thou cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. Look at that. The tenth day of the seventh month. You see that? That thing's running down here. That's the, that's the trumpet of the Jubilee. <clears throat> and in the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout all your land, and ye shall hallow the fiftieth year and proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. It shall be a Jubilee unto you, and ye shall return every man unto his possession." Ye shall return every man unto his family. A jubilee shall that fiftieth year be unto you. Ye shall not sow, neither reap, that which groweth of itself in it, nor gather the grapes of it in thy vine undressed. You know where you can find that phrase, proclaim liberty throughout the land? Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, I can't draw a bell, but you got one out here, right? You know? Thanks. I don't know his name, but his face rings a bell. And of course, that thing's all cracked up, you know, like our nation. And uh, that inscription is from a King James Bible on that Liberty Bell put up there in 1776. And uh, you know what happened is back in 1776? Those nuts thought they were bringing in the kingdom. That's what they thought. Aren't you glad you were not bringing in a kingdom? Does that give the American Revolution a little bit more twist to you? You Y'all hate me by the time I'm done giving you history lesson. Oh, the land of the free. Okay, I'm glad that, you know, the revolution took place, so forth and so on. We've got the great country we live in. But those nuts back there thought they were bringing in the kingdom. So what did they put on their liberty bell? Proclaim liberty throughout all the land. They never once turned the land loose. And they didn't bring in the kingdom either. Uh, what they end up doing is they end up bringing the Pope over to Maryland. Anyways, I'm getting distracted here. <clears throat> you ever stop and think why God let men cross the big pond and colonize and break away from England? You ever just stop and think about history, why the Lord allows that stuff to happen? Well, because the Lord said it would happen. Go to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis chapter 9. By the way, that's Leviticus, what, twenty five ten. There's not one in a hundred people that know that that's from Leviticus 25.10. And there's not one in a thousand even knows out of the King James Bible. Genesis 9.27. Look at that thing. In verse 24, what happens? Noah realizes that Ham does something to his daddy while he's drunk, right? We won't get into the gory details. And in verse 25, Noah curses Ham's son, Canaan. Why did he curse his son? Well, because Ham was blessed. So he curses Canaan. And verse 25, he curses Canaan as a servant of servants. And in verse 26, Noah blesses Shem and gives Canaan as his servant. And verse 27, Noah prophesies what, that the Lord would enlarge Japheth and do what? Dwell in the tents of Shem. You ever stop and think about that? You ever wonder why the Lord let... The, that revolt from King George, I know it was all about rebellion. So, Well, it was about religious liberty, maybe a couple. But the majority that came later was all about rebellion from the king. You had a handful of people, I'm sure, that loved God and were deists and all the rest of that stuff. And uh, uh, Reverend Robinson on the Mayflower to King James Bible and said that the Lutherans stop with Luther and the Calvinists stop with Calvin, but the Lord has much more precious truth to be delivered unto the saints. And he's holding the King James Bible, not denying that. But I believe the Lord let that stuff come over because He said it was going to happen in Genesis chapter 9. He said that Japheth would enlarge and dwell in the tents of Shem. You know where the tents of Shem were in 1492? (laughs) When Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Uh, Why Shem's tents were all the way over here in America, Shem was out of bounds. And you know what Shem was doing? He was worshiping the birds. He was worshiping the bats. He was worshiping the deer's the deer, and the bears. Amen? And he's worshiping all the hosts of heaven, which God gave his own people up to worship the whole host of heaven, if you read your Bible. And you know what Shem was doing over here in America? Absolutely nothing with what he'd been given. Absolutely nothing. He was smoking the herbs of the land. Amen? Boy, I think them chiefs were so cool, man. (laughs) They are always smoking a peace pipe. Amen? And Shem got over here, and uh, the Americas went backwards. I'm telling you the truth about history now. I, I'm not chewing anybody. I'm just saying when Shem came over here, America went backwards. When God allowed Shem to come over here, you're supposed to do something with it. That's Genesis chapter 1. You're supposed to subdue it, not worship it. And Shem, instead of subduing it and putting it into subjection like God told him, Shem went into spiritism and total apostasy away from God. He didn't evangelize anybody. He didn't build any schools. Amen. He didn't build any churches. He didn't build any hospitals. And that's just the God's honest truth from the King James Bible. Shem came across this country and became one with nature, man. Right? Buffalo. And, uh, and the Lord said, uh, nope, you should have sought me in everything you did. You should have uh, uh, trusted me with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge me and I'll direct your paths and I wouldn't make you live in a teepee either, buddy. So Japheth enlarges. Japheth comes west, right? That's the right direction. And then from 1492 all the way up into the early 1900s, Japheth rounds up Shem and puts them where? In reservations. You say that's racism, That's the Bible, that's the God of the King James Bible coming true, that Japheth shall dwell in the tents of Shem. Uh, Isn't Iosco County the home of the Braves? You see where we're going with this? Never before has it been more relevant to the county that you're sitting and worshiping God in. You're worshiping God in Shem's country. You know, this is God's country. No, this is Shem's country. (laughs) Stupid. (laughs) Right? According to history, I'm not just preaching though. That's funny. Iosco County was first inhabited by the Chippewa Indians, which ceded the area in 1843. What does that mean? They split. Uh, Tawas Bay, the largest harbor on the Great Lakes, was named after Chief Otawas, O-T-A-W-A-S. Tawas City. There you go. Japheth never hit Iosco County until 1830. You couldn't find Japheth in Iosco County until 1830. You say, why? Because Japheth shall enlarge the tents of Shem. We're a byproduct of Genesis chapter 9, verse 27. Isn't that crazy? You ever just stop and think about how God wrote that book and you're fulfilling his word, whether you want to or not? (laughs) Iosco means water of light, according to Henry Schoolcraft, a historian. It wasn't until 1880 when the lumber craze hit. That civilization was even brought to this area that you're sitting in. The wood, the timbers underneath the church, the old part, came from these woods. And they moved it. uh, They got tired of the church being down there off by Sand Lake Road. So a bunch of overambitious lumberjacks said, let's move the church three miles. No tractors. They just did it with round logs and horses. They picked the church up and moved it. Sounds like a bunch of Amish people to me. So I know history may not be your thing, but the country you uh, you are in was inhabited by Shem, and the Lord told you in the King James Bible that Japheth would dwell in Shem's tents. But you find that thing proclaimed liberty throughout the land. And I'll bring this thing to a close here. You find that in Philadelphia on the Liberty Bell. Like I said, the uh, nutty Japhethites in 1776 thought they were bringing in the kingdom and uh, when they put the redcoats on the run. You see? And they thought they were going to bring in the kingdom. And guess what? They didn't bring in the kingdom. <laughs> and uh, just like those idiots in New York when they put that verse out on the Isaiah wall, they've got a verse out of the King James Bible called the Isaiah wall from a King James Bible uh, outside the UN building. And so look at Isaiah 2.4. Stop thinking about your country. Someone was thinking about it. Uh, they, they don't want to even retain God in their knowledge now. And the society you and I live in is a recantation of Romans chapter 1 from start to finish. Amen. Isaiah chapter 2, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4. This is on the United Nations headquarters, known as United Nations Plaza, quoted from a King James Bible, inscripted. Someone chiseled it out on a wall. Isaiah 2.4, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And neither shall they learn war anymore. And you know what? They don't believe that for 30 seconds. Since the beginning, the, in the beginnings of the UN, there's been over one war every single year for 100 years. And he says, neither shall they learn any more war. Yeah, whatever. The UN, all they do is practice war. All they do is practice mischief against God's people, and their day is coming. And we better stop there because the next one gets a little bit heavier, as they say. (laughs) Amen. Thankful for the Bible. Thankful for the old preacher who took a lifetime to assimilate this information and pass it on to us. Amen. Why don't you stand? And some of you might say, well, who's this old preacher? You talk about him a lot. There's two old preachers I talk about. My mentor, uh, Dr. Peacock in Jacksonville. He's not only my friend, but he's my mentor. Uh, uh, When I need counsel, I go to that man. And every preacher should have a mentor. But the old preacher, the old, old preacher, is Dr. Peter S. Ruckman. You say that word and people hate you, but I don't care. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ, and thank you for the King James Bible. Lord, thank you, Lord, that it's a light to our feet, a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Father, I pray you to help us to study it, uh, take what we got tonight and try to understand it, be thankful for it. Lord, we know you count by sevens. And Father, as the end of this lesson will probably come next week or who knows, maybe even later. Father, we're looking forward to that 777 where we get out of here, and we know it might be soon. We sure do love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right.